Welcome back, welcome back. It's Tuesday. The wonderful Calculated Conversation radio show is in the house. One of the most, most important talk shows on radio. I'm your host, DJ. And I'm Ken Jones. Tonight, we have a special, special guest in the building. In the building. Introduce yourself, special guest. Uh, my name is Marcus Carter, and I work in the tech industry here. Also, uh, a member of uh, Woken Waffles. Yes. Shout out to Faith, who I hey. believe was on the uh, show as well. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah, Faith came and graced us with her presence. Right. She was fun, too, man. Yeah. I, I like, she has some dope, dope, super dope vibes, man, and uh, a lot of good things to, to say, you right. know, and a lot of forward-thinking ideals and philosophies I felt like we was really in tune with already. Right, so right, it was, right. It was, it was a wonderful a uh, wonderful addition to the show, most definitely. And that show made him a celebrity. He had a meeting. What show? After that, and <laughs> the, they got rec- he got recognized based on Faith being on the show. And oh, nice! <laughs> yeah, I, I was in a uh, business meeting, and uh, someone mentioned that they recognized the name Cloudability because they heard it on this radio show what? while listening to Faith talk about uh, Woken Waffles. Right. Oh, the energy! The energy is beautiful, right. and it's so consistent. It spreads. It's gonna look out for you. Just manage it properly. <laughs> but uh, yeah, we happy to be here. We had a long, long weekend because I didn't work Friday either. So I just nah, was, so you was out here. I just was in the bed a lot of the time. But <laughs> yeah, I did a few other things. I mean, I did some work, man. I can't not work. I mean, that's just so hard for me to just not do nothing. Man. Right. You know, so like, but other than that, though, I, I enjoyed the, the time off and, uh, you know, connecting with a few family members and stuff like right, that. Yes. And, you know, just being thankful being alive that's what's happening being able that's what I kept it basic over the weekend too was uh, I wanted to get a car wash Friday based on so I'm still on my strike of not looking at the weather and I realized that when I wash my car within 48 to 72 hours since January it's gonna rain so being that I had the thought that I wanted to wash my car I didn't and it rained the next day so I feel like that worked out in my favor I feel like we all think we want to wash our car sometime. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think I think a lot of people think that on a regular basis, and I'm guessing about ten percent people actually go do it. You know what I mean? And maybe maybe a little bit more, depending on the weather. But if the weather's good, then you get a higher percentage. But most people just think, "Yeah, I want to wash my car," and that's it. See, if I mean, <laughs> like, it was up to me. I just wait till you know late late July yeah. and just wash between July and September, and then just leave it to go. But I'll start getting weird with myself <laughs> seeing that. How was your weekend, man? It was good. It was family time. Anytime yeah. I have an opportunity to have extended time off from work, that's family time. Righteous, righteous. That's what's happening. Barbecue, uh, watch games. Uh, you barbecue. My wife actually oh, okay. is 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 the cook. Okay, uh, but I, I I am very skillful because I do come from a family of cooks, okay. specifically on the men's side. So okay, okay. My dad owned a barbecue and fish shop. Oh. I used to you know come <laughs> home in the summers from uh, college and literally forty hours a week plus uh, uh, serving fish, barbecue ribs, so on and so forth. Yeah. Uh, and then my uh, grandpa he owned a couple <laughs> fish shops down in uh, Los Angeles as well. So. Oh, okay. So you a good grill starter. Yeah, definitely. We, we got, okay. Definitely. That's what's up. But, but it's always yeah. nice. You always That's enjoy dope. when the wife cook, I bet, though. 
She's a beast. She's a monster when it comes to that. I bet. I bet. That's dope. (laughs) That's cool, man. Um, What else? What else? Man, we had a chance to um, chop it up with Marcus out in the, you know, in the lobby, man. And uh, he was going pretty deep, man. So we got a good show ahead for you guys tonight. Um, We know Marcus in the tech industry. I was kind of going over some of your... um, your networks, man, and I seen you did a really dope. Uh, was it a, another equity inclusion speech you did some somewhere? Yeah, yeah. So recently, I got invited to a uh, conference uh, by an organization called Technology Association of uh, Oregon, mm-hmm. uh, and they put on a, a conference where there's 16 speakers, <coughs> and you have uh, five minutes to mm-hmm. sort of pitch whatever kind of idea mm-hmm. you have. And uh, they, the organizers, reached out to me and wanted me to speak on diversity, equity and inclusion in the tech industry. Mm-hmm. So, uh, first, you know, I'd said this previously, I was kind of offended, right? Mm-hmm. This this is a topic that impacts my livelihood and five minutes to address is a little tough. Right. Um, but what I ultimately landed on was writing a letter to my daughter, Jordan, and mm-hmm. highlighting sort of the systemic issues I see in tech right now and that in 19, 20 years when she's a working professional, if she's still hearing the terms diversity, equity, mm-hmm. and inclusion, that means nobody was listening to me. Exactly. <laughs> hey, that's, that's huge. And that's, it's interesting that you Love point it. that out because I think about some of the thought process and something I had scribbled notes on kind of regarding that, where you know the diversity and equity like is great that the push is happening, but that title, right, is starting to... I don't know. It's 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 starting to do something when I see it. That's like I'm having an adverse reaction to that. Yeah. Well, I always talk about like how in the African American community we have a history of sort of coded language mm-hmm. that uh, mm-hmm. acts as a way to 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 stagnate proce- uh, progress. Mm-hmm. Right. So you know, people can say diversity and inclusion, and I'll try to reframe it and to say, are we aiming to address racial and gender disparities? Mm-hmm. People don't want to say that, right? right? They don't want to say, nah, nah, nah exactly right. what that, we're that, doing, right? Right, exactly. Right. And when you say people of color, then are we talking about, you know, African American people, Latinx, indigenous people? Mm-hmm. Who are we talking about as right. the people of color? And I think it's just important to make sure that people are being explicit, so we know which target we're actually hitting, right? Versus right. this idea of like, no, status quo, all, all encompassing, exactly, <laughs> right? And that, and that and that kind of I, I feel like eludes them from a little bit of accountability um, about who is directly affected and just saying we're going to help everybody we're going to fix it all and who's ever included and that is included without us having to really say it no you should say it so you know what it is and we know that you know what it is definitely (laughs) definitely. we have to know that you can that you understand how to address our lived experience right right. Uh, Ken and I previously were talking about uh, this is May which is mental health month and uh, you know at work we had a mental health professional come in and one of the things I uh, called out was that they offered universal themes around mental health that did not account for racism discrimination mm. or systemic oppression. Right. All those things are going to impact yes. communities of color. Uh-huh. That's right. So when you're talking about mental health but not actually hitting on key players, well, you, you know, you you erase my existence, my right. experience. Right. Bada bam. Not acknowledging <laughs> the depth and, and the effect of, you know, the role of race and mm-hmm. Right, and and just the intricacies that go in there, and that's what, you know, during that conversation I was also talking about, you know, us wanting to bring mental health professionals on here, especially of color, and being able to kind of discuss some of these situations and scenarios that are kind of, you know, they're dialed into our experiences, and even with that, um, trying to find, I've been trying to find somebody for karma. 
and right. going through the process of researching and either people are booked out, do not have time because they're flooded. They're, they're the only resources only, yeah, that, yeah. you know, can handle this. And then not just wanting to just, you know, throw her in front of anybody because right. I understand that these issues that she's dealing with are, again, very specific. Right, and right. you can't, you, you can give some of these blanket ideas. I think there are some just universal, you know, things that work, right? Mm-hmm. This is just shared experience as humans. But then when you start getting into the sections um, and just wanting to make sure she's getting the best, um, best care that she can for that early and understand that there are people that understand this and it can go, you know, on a level deeper than just me and her conversation. <laughs> right, right. No, no, absolutely, man. Um, you know, it, it, it can't just be a universal concept, you know, and I think they often try to blanket it that way mm-hmm. so that they can portray, you know, the reparations for everybody mm-hmm. and just kind of include the ones that they don't want to mention directly. You know who know who you know needed the most and need the most attention, right? I think a lot of it, you know, of course, being just <clears throat> built on the structures that were set up where this was the majority. So the majority of people who were seeking, you know, could afford and be in these spaces. This is who this was set up for. Right. Now this is not such a taboo thing in these different communities, especially our community. We're starting to kind of shake <laughs> that idea that right. you're just crazy, right? You right. can go talk to somebody now, and it's not looked at like it was at one point. So now with that, you have an influx of people coming in. Being a part of this and not enough people to support that right right absolutely so uh marcus man um i mean i, I definitely got some insight uh from you on on kind of your position what what so what do you what, what did you propose that they do exactly or what, uh, what what ways did you think that they could you know um shed light on some of those so i think on uh any topic whether it's you know diversity and inclusion whether it's mental health you know uh any topic you have to uh address the different identities that are in the room right. and how this topic may disproportionately impact that group you know i made the observation like you can't bring somebody in talking about poverty and then not address race and how that plays into the equation so just make sure as you uh pop in in and out of topics like diversity inclusion whatever it might be mental health that you are at least addressing the different identities in the room and how the topic actually impacts them right because to, to your point to offer an experience as universal, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. That's that's a lie. Never works, right? You taking you away can't from- even parent the kids in your house the same. That's not even universal. Let alone, <laughs> so. let, let alone the kids in the country. <laughs> you right. you shouldn't. Yeah, no, definitely. I'm I'm right. a, I push that all the time. There's that you do not one size fits it all because definitely you, to, to, somebody's to take, losing. To take it a step further, so uh, you know I'm in an interracial uh, yeah. marriage, right. and uh, this is you know piggybacking off of you know the last few years of seeing black people being shot by police, mm. right? I made the observation that for the first time in my wife's life. Mm she has to now worry about her uh, uh, male companion not being her, you know, dad who she grew up with or her brother has to worry about what can happen at a traffic stop. Right. She's never had that in her life. Right. Right? So, again, we can't parent the same. Right. Right. Now I have to have conversations with my daughter and I, I realized that this was a bias of mine in thinking that conversations of race with my daughter might be different than it would a son mm. as if violence might be more prevalent for a male a male mm. right. right but we know from Sandra Bland and many other African American women said it doesn't 
It doesn't make Period. a difference. Period. <laughs> you know, that's a, that's an interesting piece. I think, um, and we talk on this show often, like my daughter's crazy mature, just the conversations. I know everybody says they're about their kids, but definitely very <clears throat> high level conversations that happen. And we go into a lot of this. And I remember, uh, what was it, Thug? Mm-hmm. Yeah, The Hate You Give. When she went and saw that and the conversation that we had after that, mm-hmm. where I felt like, you know, she opened up, she felt like she could relate in a lot of ways with moving here coming we're in Beaverton it's come to school and then the interactions that she's had over the years with teachers because I've had to show up you know quite a few times just to kind of set things straight where I feel like um some of it just had to do with uh her ability to articulate her feelings and thoughts and not just bow and be like oh okay and you know having these questions in my head if she was a boy would these be would this be an issue um but then her also picking up on these regular things regular interactions that are seen as aggression and you know I talk to her often about that of you know there's different ways in which you know culturally (laughs) we interact and things we do that may not happen over here over there and when people who are not used to that see that it's taken as along with just the way that things are painted and exactly what this means, you being able to speak up for yourself in a certain way, even as your father, sometimes I have to catch myself and not react out of a uh, thought of anger. Like you're like, no, you're actually speaking what you feel <laughs> right now. Right. You're actually in, in, in a great way, not disrespectful or anything, but just sometimes it's like you're not used to that. Like this is a this is a kid. This is but being able to actually, you know, step back and understand that I never want to make that voice lower at all. So making sure to highlight that and, and, and have the talks with her to have her understand, though, outside of more than just herself, understand the effects outside and how this can be perceived, not to necessarily change it, but just understand this is what happens. This is what is be, how you're probably being viewed. Again, I try not to throw things that she processes and learns. Then I'm, I'm, I've managed to realize over these years kind of how to let these parts out slowly. I remember watching a documentary with her uh, years ago, and this was maybe within the first year of her living here. She's been here about five years now, and uh, she first got here. We watched a documentary, and I remember her looking over and saying, why don't they like us? That was the exact question. And having that moment of, how do I even, how do I even approach that, right, to a 10-year-old? <laughs> how do I go into this? And... You know, we had a conversation about it, and I knew at that point, though, now this is a question in her mind. Now this is a different way in which she's looking at things. She probably hadn't seen anything in that manner. This is a pretty graphic uh, uh, documentary we were watching, and uh, that let me know I needed to start thinking about this. And it's just interesting that it's an actual conversation that has to be had, right? And it's like, my son, we've got to have this conversation (laughs) also, but just knowing this is she's here daily and we go back and forth and trying to understand her experience. But then again, I've never been a girl. So there's so many layers (laughs) into that that I add in with it um, that I just I'm, I'm hoping like any parent that in the end I gave enough information and trying to pull in the resources which I can find to help fill in the spots that I can't cover. And just hope that that's what plans out. Definitely. And give her the freedom to define whatever space she might be in. Right. Right. Like one of the things I I think about with, uh, you know, I hate to say, quote unquote, older generations. Right. Is that we tend to perpetuate trauma. Right. Like instead of giving you uh, the language Mm -hmm. to then express yourself, I'm going to mute you. 
Mm-hmm. That's right. Right? Whether it's discipline, whether it's, look, don't say nothing. And, and then when you're out in the world and you're actually being faced with a scenario or that trauma, you don't know how to react to it. Right. Right? And it's like, no, give people the agency to uh, determine their fate, right. to determine whatever perceptions people have about them. They don't own those perceptions. Right. And I, right. I think so often, you know, when we think about our kids, I'm, I'm very uh, in the I'm always in the mindset of like not labeling things as, quote unquote, bad. Right. right? That's right, a right. perception. My daughters need to conclude for themselves. Right. 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 It's only whatever tools they determine are necessary yes. that can be used as bad. Yes. Right. right. Just as they can be applied for good. You know, my, my daughter, who's only three years old, mm-hmm. ended up, uh, you know, saying a curse word, right? Okay. Uh, and for my wife and, and I, we just said, listen, let's educate her on what the perceptions might be, okay. but let her define whether or not she wants to use it in whatever context, right? Because okay. on the flip side, let's let's forecast three or four years uh, into the future, people are going to try to determine what is feminine to her. And if I condition her to believe authority, how is she now the agent of change? Mm. She's conditioned to believe authority. Who's the authority over her? She is. Mm. No one else. Mm. Right. That's right. Bada bam. I like the, you know, you point out kind of the idea of letting them figure out what's bad. Right. And that, you know, uh, in a lot of my interactions, that's what I try to do is give the perspective of what the outside is and not necessarily putting it that it shouldn't be, it shouldn't be, it shouldn't be, as opposed to this is what it is. That was how did how do you take it? You know what I mean? And understanding that a lot of it is just how you see it. Uh, some of the interactions she's had with, you know, teachers, I'm like, um, have you tried adjusting any of your attitude and seeing if maybe it's just meeting an energy that you're not realizing you're putting out <laughs> you know, at right. the same yeah. time yeah. and you guys are just meeting each other's energy. Model behavior. That's it. Period. That's you, it. You, you you have to model the behavior you hope to uh, receive. Right. You know. Right. So I learned that early on with my daughter, in that I was demanding a thank you mm. or you're you're welcome. I got to model that first, mm. so she picks that up. Right? Yes. Right. Yes. That's dope. Yeah, that's super dope, man. Um, people out there listening, uh, if you want to call in, chat, chime in, give us. Uh, you know, a little bit of feedback. Tell us what you like, what you don't. Uh, we we open ears. 503-231-8187. That's 503-231-8187. Call in now. Mark is waiting for your question. <laughs> so um, I got a question. I want to know, like, kind of the path that you took um, going into technology. Did you know that was a field that you were that, – is that something you were aiming for or – what what was the path that led you up to here in the now? No, so roughly around uh, eight years ago, I had a friend who I played hoops with. Okay, uh, was up in Seattle recruiting for organizations like you know Microsoft okay. and Google, and he was like, "Hey, Marcus, um, you know, I know your background in terms of coaching and being able to point out people's strengths and weaknesses and mm-hmm. being able to sit how they fit in a, a larger puzzle. Right. I think you'd be great at 
at recruiting. Mm. So I got into recruitment via a staffing agency out in Beaverton that specifically focused on technical staffing. Gotcha. So my first uh, tech meetup or networking event went like this. I, I show up, the company ends up lifting up their two garage doors. There's literally a DJ to my left, ping pong tables in the middle, uh, beer and trophies on the right. Okay. And I was like, what, this is a tech event? I'm shirt, tie, you know, done up. Everybody else is in right. just, you know, flannels, right, right, overalls, right. whatever, you <laughs> name it, right? Just being themselves. Uh, and from there, I always had this version of like, wait, here's an industry where people can actually show up and be themselves. Right. They're not clocking in, clocking out. Right. They're not, you know, it's not super strict. They're not, you know, buttoned up, so on and so forth. Um, so after, you know, being with that organization for about uh, roughly two years, where okay. I was placing people at different companies. Got it, got so it. So I said, hey, I want to be behind the desk at the company, <laughs> representing the company. So from there on, I had, you know, a number of different opportunities where I've staffed everything from front desk people to okay. veterinarians, you know, working okay. with Banfield Pet Hospital, okay. right? Uh, and and I wanted to get back to tech because I knew, A, there's all this innovation happening, um, but B, tech was having more discussions about diversity, mm-hmm equity mm. and inclusion. Mm. And I come from a background where social justice is just, I've always been passionate about okay. it. So I was the kid in high school uh, at the uh, rally giving the MLK speech. Gotcha. You know, that was gotcha. me. I was the kid in uh, college that took a month off of basketball to go down south and build homes for Hurricane Katrina victims. Got it. So this has always been my jam. And when I got with my current employer, they ended up bringing me to a meeting where there was, you know, 28, 29 other companies talking about how to diversify tech. Mm. And what I realized was no one at the table outside of myself was a person of color. Mm. <laughs> right? So how mm-hmm. are we how are we going to pitch pitch uh, issues or, or, or raise those kind of voices and concerns, how is the group understanding barriers of entry without that lived experience? Or at least without someone being very blunt and very honest right. about what it looks like to try to get into this industry right. and what it looks like to stay in the industry. Mm-hmm. Um, so literally, you know, once I had that meeting, yeah. I, I literally called my wife and was like, oh, they don't know. <laughs> this is what I do. Yeah, right. <laughs> that was perfect, man. That's active. That was perfect, man. What uh, what did you go to college for? So uh, in college, I studied uh, communications and social justice. Okay. Yeah, you, at University of Portland. Okay. Uh, okay. And being from uh, Southern California, I think uh, going to University of Portland really uh, prepared me for Greater Portland. And, okay. And like. There was no diversity there. Because you way out in the north, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No diversity there, private Catholic institution. Um, but, you know, I was fortunate to be uh, surrounded by, you know, half the guys on the team was from Southern California. Okay. Uh, and we just refused to be anything outside of ourselves. Got it, got like, it. Like, I'll never forget students being like, hey, it looks like y'all are always having fun. We're like, what are you doing? <laughs> why, like, why would you not have fun? <laughs> right. <laughs> so... What what would you say as far as uh, the importance of networking and kind of just getting outside of your bubble? Yeah, so networking is interesting because uh, you have to know what you're going after. Mm-hmm. And then I feel like you have to understand how to disguise what you're going after. Mm. So in my role, I'm at a lot of different you know networking functions. And uh, you have some people who come up to me and they're like, Marcus, I need a job. 
Okay. Well, I, don't, I don't know anything about your background. I don't know if you know anything about me right. or the organization that I represent. Right. And then you have other people who are able to mask it by meeting me at a meetup or a networking function, uh, being able to vibe with me based on the content that's presented at the function, mm-hmm. and then slowly just saying, hey, can I get your information? Can we stay in touch? Right. 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 So they might follow up with me on LinkedIn. Right. They might email me. Right. And then what <laughs> happens after that is, you know, it's an invite to go to lunch right. or to grab a coffee. And then I slowly get to learn their story. Right. But I was already vibing with them at the event. Right, right, right. Right? right. They didn't give me a reason to offer a reason to, to qualify or disqualify them or put up a barrier. Right. They just got to know me. I got to know them. Right. I appreciated their, their their insight on the content that's being presented. And then they were able to follow up. So I think, you know, when I when I think about networking, people have to know what they want and, and what's a way to disguise it mm-hmm. versus, you know, meeting me sort of one on one, like, hey, I just need a job. Can you can you help me out? Right. So Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. I definitely feel like um one thing that's lacking um in modern society, I think, is just uh you know calculations you know um strategy yes um you know looking and studying you know your you know your position and where you want to be and how you want to get there and knowing how to maneuver within that information and fit right in you know and then just letting it come to you instead of you know just kind of jumping in there not knowing what's going on and then having to ask questions once you're inside and then people are like, you don't know what the hell you're talking about. I, I think sometimes uh, the internet tricks people into believing you have to be super clever. Yeah. Right? You have to figure out all the, the tricks to get someone's attention, so on and so forth. All you have to do is be authentic. Right. And, and do your research. Right? Know who you're talking to. Yeah. Understand how to apply your skill set, your knowledge to the person in front of you. Understand how to apply it to the to the business, understand it, how to apply it on a macro scale to, you know, the problem the business is trying to solve, right? right? Understand the industry, competitors, so on and so forth. You have to understand those things and like, um, you know, understand where to apply that knowledge. I think that's, that's, you know, when you see somebody who's very savvy, they just know how to apply whatever tools are in their bag, right? Right. They don't know everything, but they know just enough to be dangerous, um, and they won't overwhelm you. Um, So, you know, a a part of networking is um, everything I just mentioned, but also being able to connect the dots. Yes. You know, sometimes people are around very influential people. Right. Uh, and have no idea. That's right. Right? They, they didn't do their research. Or even when they went back home, they didn't look this person up, right? They don't understand what's going on in this person's world. And sometimes when you're networking, have empathy for a person being busy mm-hmm. as, as well. Right. right. Oh, man. He almost choked on that one. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, you just have <laughs> some folks who have this expectation, like when they call you, you pick up. Right. Right. Um, right. Patience, and I think too, you know, something where whenever I have one on ones, I got stuff from when me and you sat. Mm-hmm. Um, and so for the listeners, right quick, you know, we met as part of the woke team, and I got brought on, you know, kind of late in the game. But one of the things was walking into the building and seeing Marcus, another man of color, and not only a man of color, dark skin too. Um, that stood out, and then found out what he did, and it was like, wait a minute. We all know this is what I've been, you know, having on my mind, the things I've been studying and, and, and teaching myself. Right. And so that was like a piece of motivation, right? And same thing, followed up after a couple of meetings, hit him. You know, we had the one-on-one. And uh, for me, it was about just picking up information, like just so- soaking in some of the jewels. It wasn't like, hey, 
put me on. Exactly. I, just, I wanted to know, you know, based on this, <laughs> what mm-hmm. you know, what are some ways and and some of the perspective that I got from that conversation has echoed. Mm-hmm. Stuff written down. I write down a lot of stuff, <laughs> and so you know, in the journal, and the idea of figure out the problem <laughs> within the company and figure out a way to fix it or to try to fix it. Right. That's what you're going for. Like that's the the thing that bounces around in my head. So when I'm sitting in front of people and I'm having some conversations, that's one of the things that runs through. Like what what is that thing that is going to make me actually right. be beneficial to yeah. this organization, whatever it is. Um, but doing that in all capacities when you're sitting, because like I said, some people being busy and if you do get a moment in time, make that time worth it. If it's a 30 minute window, don't just show up and kind of spitball, right, right. have kind of some of the ideas of what you you know want to go back and forth. But of course, don't make it you know a, a one-sided just question, 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 question. Make it a flow. Because people usually Definitely. respond to <laughs> you being able to be comfortable, you being able to go back and forth and feel like you're actually vibing and they're not just being used <laughs> in this moment, right? One, one thing I always preach uh, at my organization, I preach this out and about when I'm in uh, the community, is that you 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 need to uh, relieve yourself of this idea that you're networking. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, that always feels very much like I need to get something from this Results. transaction. Yes. Transaction, right. right? Whereas if you're building community, right? right just think if somebody's going to move in, in your community, what kind of love do you show them? Right. You know, right. what kind of questions do you ask? How do you receive that person? Right. It's much different than just networking where you're like aiming and wanting something very specific, right? right. So right. build community. You can still have that agenda, right. but just build community, build those contacts, connect those dots. Don't be afraid to say, okay, great. Um, maybe this person can't help me, but I know somebody in my network that might be a great fit for this right. person. Right. Wow, you just made that person an ambassador right. for you, right? Right, because they're going to remember, hey, you made this connection to me or for me, and that led to X, Y, or Z. So focus right. on trying to, you know, expand and build your community versus this idea of networking that can come across as very transactional. Yes, that, yeah, yeah. That, that was the, the that was the language I was looking for. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, study study a subject, and you know, be patient, and you know, just learn information and learn the game first, and. You know, just know eventually, you know, they won't they won't be able to, you know, to ignore you. You know, um, a lot of people just kind of rush it, I feel like, you know, and this is universal. This is in um, all areas of life, you know, just understand what you're doing and why you're doing it and always study the formula before you just approach it. Right. You know, just look at it and see what's what and what makes more sense, you know, and. And the people that's involved, and you know, like yeah. imagine, imagine those old school movies that we watch. You know, even now they still, you know, they still show them where, you know, I, I, I can't think of one off top, but just an instance where, uh, uh, you know, a person is walking up on another person and being ignored at first until this person realized he know everything about him and his business, mm-hmm. and, and he and he knows what he what he doesn't have. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Then the conversation kind of starts. And then it's like you can't ignore that, right? You know what I mean? Like you, you, you when somebody do their homework, they're worth talking to because they may have some passion uh, about this. I think a p- part that plays into the interactions is being genuinely curious, right? Yeah. Being genuinely interested in whatever it is that you're you're going after. If that's if and even the person, I think that's the base level right. is if you're having an interaction like when I'm asking questions about background I really want to know sure, sure <laughs> you know right, what I mean definitely, so definitely. and I found that you know many conversations that I've had with strangers and so on not things that are arranged to really sit down and have a conversation but 
typically asking about a person and you start finding out some of the background people love talking about them right right that's that's something that just across the board we have so you start asking questions more and more questions about a person they're going to open up and start talking right and this goes back to what you know a previous conversation we had about we can have our differences but if we <laughs> lead in with the basic right before jumping into what are your political beliefs like let's start and build some kind of rapport so that when we reach that point of that critical question we've already got something to stand on some type of a relationship connection that we built over the regular stuff right you know what I mean definitely and, and ask questions that are authentic to you right. too often at times I'll have uh, you know let's say uh, business relationships vendors who are reaching out to me um, and they know uh, they can dangle the carrot in talking about diversity and inclusion right Right. But they're really not interested. Right. Right. But you can get in a conversation with me and in five minutes I'm there. We're in it. Right. And if I see you start to backtrack mm-hmm. and you don't know what you're talking about, mm-hmm. this this is not a relationship we're gonna engage in. Right. 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 So again, as you start to craft whatever questions and you're being curious, ask questions that are authentic to you mm-hmm. and not just, hey, I Googled these things. Right. <laughs> so now I'm gonna ask you and then when you, you start asking me questions, I d I don't have any foundation, any groundwork. Right. Right, and I also feel like um, to add on to that, when you do ask questions genuine to yourself, um, there's a certain you know physical energy you get from the satisfaction 100%. of having that answer exactly, and you look excited, exactly. and the passion is glowing, and the and this person's mm-hmm. like, okay, you really care about this stuff, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Yeah, I get and have a seat, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like, I definitely agree with you there, bro. And <laughs> what I currently do at work when I'm training other people on interviewing folks. I tell them, like, don't ask a question just because it's on the sheet, mm. right? Ask your version, right? It's no different from reading the script, yeah, right? Yeah, Sometimes right. it's like, okay, great, I'm going to just blah, blah, blah. But if you read it in your own narrative, right. with your own voice, then that passion can come through. That that authentic, authenticity starts to show. So right. that that's huge whenever you're networking, whenever you're asking questions, whenever you're being curious. Yeah, so. yeah exactly. In your own voice, my people know I usually speak in my own voice. <laughs> and and that, that's what gets people to buy into you. Right, that's what right. is actually inspiring. That's the right. main thing. Exactly. Right, right. I, main thing. I hate to hate to bring up this point, but I have to. I always highlight the uh, Beyonce Coachella th- thing, right? Like, okay. she's done how many different concerts, yeah, right? right? And they're all typically, they're not vanilla, but we know what flavor she's going right. to bring. This time, she showed up and brought the culture. Right. Right. Right? Like so many other (laughs) artists can show up and just do whatever their marketing team, whatever their management team has decided for them. She showed up and decided to bring her culture, herself to the table. Look how inspiring it is. Right. Very. Like outside of uh, a couple songs from Lemonade, like she's just talking about relationships. Right. She always talk about that. Right. She didn't get that kind of response. (laughs) Right. Look at what happens when she showed up and she herself. Yeah. Boom. You know, I, it, it's it, like you bringing that up and us, you know, talking in the realm of college where uh, I was having a conversation with Karma a little while ago, maybe a month, two months ago or so, and talking about if I could have done anything different as far as college, I'd have went to HBCU, right? Mm, I like, love this topic. The experience. Mm. And uh, even like on the gram, I follow a couple of the HBCU pages that they've got out, a couple of the hashtags, and it's like culture, 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 just those things that you can't explain. Right. I want to swag surf when (laughs) these Mm -hmm. things are happening. Like seeing all that. And um, one of the things I highlighted in our conversation was um, 
somebody had a write up that talked about um, her trying to make her decision for college mm-hmm. and was getting told that she should go to XYZ college and not the HBCU um, to be uh, di- to diversify and she was like no I get four years I got the whole rest of my life to be the minority I would like <laughs> a moment in time to be that and I you know one of the conversations that I had with with uh, karma is that you get to go and you see the future lawyers doctors and so on you get to see the representation right there lifetime and you're around it. how inspiring could that be she, and then you realize they're just like you. Yes, yeah, she gets to be uh, the center of her experience and not on the margin, right? So p- people, and, and we've internalized this where we got to go to the Harvards, the Yales, you know, the Stanfords, Ivy League, so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. But why would you be a part of, again, the margins of everyone else's experience where you go to HBCU and they celebrate just like you? Yeah, right, right. Yeah. Right? Yes. They, they reading textbooks saying, you know, the same lingo you do, you have, right. right? They're demonstrating behavior that is native to them right. and you don't have to quote unquote assimilate. Right, right, right. Like the weight of that just the weight of that and and so this is one of the things I've had this conversation with a few friends is like you know we as you know African American people what kind of danger have we been responsible for by pushing our kids to go to whatever institution with whatever pedigree that we bought into Mm -hmm. what makes that institution you know greater than our own people and the institutions they founded why why? that paper when they read Harvard, they feel like it's the standard. But but right? what they experience is the same thing we go through. Is now all of a sudden you got to shake that sort of you know internal impression, right. uh, oppression, right? right. You got to shake uh, internalizing whiteness, right? Because right. right. like all of a sudden you've bought into I got to make money, I got to be doing these things, blah right. blah blah. Stop it, right? Go experience your own culture. Experience what it feels like to not have your hair and ask all these questions about what it means <laughs> to be different <laughs> textures, so on and so forth, right? Um, you know, I, so I, I'll give you uh, an example in this uh, mental health conversation. The person had highlighted uh, two celebrities. I think it was like Kate Spade and Anthony Bourdain as, as tragic and trauma. Okay. So you left out Sandra... Michael Brown, you know, so many other folks. You're not seeing that at an HBCU. Right? Right. Right. They're going to give you the founder, who's likely black. Right. Right? And, 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 you know, other people that have been, um, you know, instrumental in our our history. So it's just something that I think about right now uh, with our daughters. Me and my wife, we both come from athletic backgrounds. And yes, it would be awesome if our little girl went to UConn, right? Mm -hmm. You know, basketball mecca. You know, you want want your daughter to go to UConn, play for Geno. Yeah. Or she can go to Spelman. Mm. 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 Right. Let let her go to Spelman, and then when she has a kid, she is able to harness that energy and talk about the experiences she had at Spelman. Yeah. Versus, no disrespect to UConn, I don't know if this happens, but being at UConn, feeling like you're an outsider, right? right? Feeling like the curriculum, the teachers, so on and so forth, right. doesn't address you, right. right? All of a sudden, you're talking about philosophy, math, science, all these other things, and black people are omitted from those conversations. Mm. Do, do, do. 
Bing, bing, bing. I mean, I, I've said this, I've said this over and over again. We know chronologically mm-hmm. with the pyramids, these yeah. things are built long before there's a Rome or there's Greece. Yeah. So concepts around science, medicine, philosophy, architecture had to have came from black people. There's books. You could actually just look this up. Yeah. But we're taught that's not, that's not the case, right? You got to look at an Aristotle's, a Socrates. You got to look right. at all these other figures before I figure out who's the artist that painted on the pyramids. Right. I'm being learned right now, people. Right. You know, these these are things we got to think about <laughs> when it comes to education and how are we actually and how important equipping. culture is. Yes, how important yeah, culture yeah. is, right? Absolutely. If, for example, I work in the tech industry, and you know, yes, it struggles with its uh, racial disparities, but what technology do we have as great as a pyramid? Mm. Right? Like, there's a set of cultures and a foundation, a belief system, ideologies that are able to produce that. Mm. How can I get back to that? Mm. Like, why do I got to search to find that? Why is that not being taught? Right? right? Why, why don't I know uh, the philosophers of that age? See? We about to have a whole nother show. Push us through to the next hour too. <laughs> uh, we got a caller. Uh, we got Andrea on the phone. Uh, hi guys. Hey. Hey. Uh, so I was back to the intersection of social justice and tech and lack of diversity. Okay. Um, so I was listening to some smart people. Uh, very credentialed people talk about um, challenge the idea of systemic exclusion. You know, and they're saying, you know, there's there's nobody discouraging um, black people from taking up cycling as a hobby, but you just don't see a lot of people taking it up, right? And like I said, these are very credentialed, very um, popular in... Um, they have a large platform, and that was what they were talking about. Mm-hmm. And so, I think that what their these barriers are invisible to them, and that the barriers to diversity in tech are real and from what I understand participation of women in the computer science uh, education continues to decline Mm -hmm. and so there's some kind of barrier there that we're not identifying Mm -hmm. Um, so if if tech itself isn't isn't or can't recruit diversity do we have an idea of how to make diversity more competitive Um, not necessarily a a traditional opposition you know market competitive competitive excuse me, uh, competitiveness, but um, just something that we can answer with, aside from having to send a few brave people into these sort of integration situations where, you know, they have to go first. And mm-hmm. I've seen academic departments try to diversify and, you know, you attract a, a few people of color and then they promptly are isolated and have a difficult time. And mm-hmm. in my experience ended up, you know, suing the institution eventually for discrimination. Mm-hmm. And so the barriers are there. I know we can identify them in lived experience. We don't seem to be able to address them academically, systemically, professionally. Um, and so this whole world of tech is getting built um, monolithically with the monolithic culture. And, you know, and I think it's actually not a bad thing that a lot of uh, racism and exclusion and blindness is showing up in tech because it's exposing it. Right, like in facial recognition and, you know, things are like, oh, wow, mm-hmm. I didn't realize tech worked that way. And I go, well, yeah, that's invisibility in general. Um, but if we can't get tech and 
you know, the future of prosperity, because if you, you know, pay attention to the projections for black household income over time, that's pretty bleak, too. Um, so if we can't get tech to want to recruit diversity, what are our ideas for making diversity more competitive? Because, you know, women are excluding themselves from participating in this huge market. Uh, and as I like to say, if you don't have a lot of women at your party, your party probably sucks. <laughs> Definitely. I, I, I don't think it's necessarily uh, making tech competitive as if there's not enough to go around for, for everyone. Um, you know, and I think these two uh, individuals are uh, being selective in sort of whatever barriers they might perceive or, or acting as if there's not uh, systemic issues. There, there actually is an organization, and I always highlight this organization. It's the uh, Kapoor, K-O-P-O-R, Center of Social uh, Impact. They produced a report 26-page report called the Leaky Tech Pipeline, and they actually offer a very robust uh, framework that addresses uh, racial, gender, and social economic disparities in tech. Uh, for example, they start at the baseline level, which they talk about increasing equity in K through 12 education. They talk about expanding computer science education, enhancing pathways into technical careers. They talk about implementing co cohesive uh, diversity and inclusion strategies at companies. They talk about uh, the need for representation within tech. And then they talk about also uh, creating public and private partnerships to develop future, uh, you know, uh, tech uh, workforce. So there's many of ways for us to, you know, course correct mm -hmm. and fix this problem. Um, the other way I might reframe this is that um, tech uh, when it relates to diversity and inclusion, I always think of diversity as identity and then inclusion as like acceptance and recognition of that identity. Mm -hmm. So tech has always had a relationship with a white male, right? A straight white male. Mm -hmm. So now it's trying to build in uh, inclusion, acceptance, and recognition mm -hmm. of, you know, quote unquote, diverse individuals, right. right? And there's many ways to do that. Yes, from a, a recruiting and an attraction standpoint, but also internally, what identities are you choosing to observe? Mm -hmm. So I always give the uh, 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 observation that a lot of organizations will omit highlighting Black History Month, but all of a sudden you'll celebrate like Women's International Day or you'll celebrate St. Patrick's Day. <laughs> Right? right, or you'll celebrate just Thanksgiving and not actually highlight that it's National, you know, Indigenous Peoples, you know, uh, month. Mm. Right. So, what identity are you choosing to actually celebrate mm. in your workforce? Mm -hmm. You you want to celebrate, you know, sort of the American version of, of Thanksgiving, mm. but you actually don't want to acknowledge the history and the practices of Native people at all. Mm. Mm -hmm. Right. So, you know, I, I think it's, you know, we, we don't want to create this environment where all of a sudden it's competitive or we're, quote unquote, trying to commodify the experiences of people of color. Right. One of the things I see right now is people are talking about the return on investment of diversity. Mm. Well, for me to tell my daughter that her experience is now an experiment or a business case. Right. They don't say that to white kids. Jesus. Why would I say that to my daughter? Why would I frame her experience that way? Right? Right. That doesn't feel good. <laughs> no. Jeez. Jeez. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's, <laughs> I got so many uh, scribble notes Is the over here. still on there? Uh, <laughs> you still there, Adria? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, so... 
so you're talking about what was the organization you mentioned uh, who was reporting statistics about okay. um, uh, it's called the uh, Kapoor uh, Center of Social Impact and this specific report is called the Leaky Tech Pipeline okay and like I said it's a 26 page report it's really really good Mm-hmm. But on so top of that, you, you do have organizations like Black Girls Who Code. You have a phenomenal organization out of the Bay Area called uh, Code 2040 that works with Black and Latinx uh, engineers. They're doing phenomenal work. So, you know, there's a lot of people that are um, helping and uh, assisting. Excellent. I guess what I was really trying to tease out more, and I, and I appreciate because I had to hear that to get here, was, you know, the way um, Jordan Peele, he studied inside of the horror genre you know which is not my favorite genre but i really respect his work and so he was he was looking at that and he he realized that the black people were a large consumers of the horror market and he was just I apparently you know made his move to become a director and now has this twilight zone and is is not asking anymore to integrate inside of the white science fiction or white horror genre he kind of carved out a place for himself and so not necessarily to continue to market diversity and continue to market people and tokenize them and like I said send um, you know <laughs> scouts out into these hostile environments um, where there are a, a number uh, instead of uh, an, an, inv- an individual with a fully formed intellect and something to offer um, but to, to kind of carve out our own space inside of what who are we in the marketplace as consumers of tech? Because I don't, you know, when you hear what's going on with these, you know, menstrual tracking apps and how people all signed up for them and now they're they're realizing that they've, you know, given over this medical data to people. I'm not sure that if it was a bunch of women in the room that they would have been designed that way and that they would continue to function that way. And so, um, not necessarily to continue to knock on this door where, pe- where we're not wanted, but to carve out our own space because of our market power. Yeah, I agree. We don't have to ask permission. You know, yeah. essentially, and, or be commodified, ex- and, and, or exotified. Ex- exactly. So, you know, the the way I received that is, uh, I was asked on a uh, panel not that long ago, why am I so active, you know, in the market, and, and why am I, you know, uh, giving back to the community? And I, I just made the observation that if you don't see me, and you're someone who looks like me, how would you find yourself in the industry? Mm-hmm. Right. So, like, you know, we, we have to show up and define our own narratives. Um, and, and to your point about, you know, uh, black entrepreneurship or, or black people in tech, uh, my guy, uh, Stephen Green, uh, if you look him up and also look up Pitch Black, uh, it's actually like a shark tank for uh, black entrepreneurs. Uh, definitely mm-hmm. check out that event. Uh, and Stephen is somebody who's always trying to promote, you know, black and brown uh, and women of color and small businesses here uh, in in yeah. Portland. Yeah, I caught a snippet of a um, episode that Killer Mike was doing of some kind of documentary thing, and he was trying to spend, I think, in, in an entire trip across a city or a state in the South and only spend money in the black community. Like, how long could he keep the dollar in there? And mm-hmm. and I was really enlightened to a lot of this entrepreneurship that was going on mm-hmm. that I'm like, well, let's just lean into that. <laughs> we've got Definitely. this idea, we've got people, we've got energy, especially young people. And um, so to seize that rather than to continue to work inside these monopolies and duopolies and, and things that 
aren't serving us, but we continue to sign up for. So thank you very much, guys. Yeah, thank you. I don't want to leave out that also Killer Mike's show, uh, as it relates to going 48 hours and only using black products, was the easiest way to kill an argument uh, from someone who objects systemic oppression. Right, mm-hmm. black people have been here how long? And he hardly—I don't think he actually made it the forty-eight hours mm-hmm. trying to only use black products. It was extremely hard. He didn't know where to sleep. He couldn't find transportation. Mm-hmm. He couldn't even eat barbecue. Mm-hmm. Well, very enlightening. And mm-hmm. you know, to just lump people of color together when we talk about exclusion is also a little bit. Um, generalizing because he put up a great chart that said you know frankly the asian community can keep a dollar inside of its ecosystem its economic ecosystem for up to 28 days Mm -hmm. and you know it was actually a matter of hours inside of the black community and then you know what do you do if you're half japanese and half black (laughs) (laughs) thank you very much guys thank Thank you. you i think uh to run off there with um one of the things we point out often is framing our ideas of success, right? Mm-hmm. And so many of us being brought up that it's entertainment or sports. Right. That's that's your past, right? And as you talked about the the idea of being the representation, seeing that in the room and then like uh, appeal, him coming out, doing his thing. Now that's given people the idea that yeah, this can exactly. be done this is the 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 four minute mile <laughs> you know when it happens and it's seen then it's like oh there's more people running through this and being able to kind of capture that and that representation again when it goes to what looks like me feels like me not the person who eh, kind of and you're trying to latch on but it's like that's a representation that's that that would be me and what that actually does like okay they're at that table then I know I can sit at that table too and of course I feel like the first wave not even the first wave but you know the the in 10 years from now of course this platform may be different the scope may be different landscape will change but it's the people that uh the people that got in and made that show showed face to motivate and inspire and show that you can have all these same things if this is what you're you're looking for in this field and pushing that narrative now we got a quick minute to go here you want to give any shout outs marcus before we get up out of here uh, no, I mean, shout out to everybody who's listening and uh, just everyone, you know, be authentic, show up to the table uh, and, and tell your narrative. Um, you know, stop playing as an actor in someone else's movie. Right. Right. Absolutely, man. Uh, we appreciate you coming, bro. That was a nice show. Nice, nice convo. Right. Right. Calculated. Well thought out. Well put together. Um, I know I'm enlightened. Righteous. So I got some stuff to go look up. Hey, he be doing this in all our meetings. I'll be over there like, huh? Say that one more time. But, uh, you know, on the final note, people, make sure we understand culture. You know, without going deep enough to understand the difference in culture, we won't understand why anybody's anywhere. So, with that, we out. Next Tuesday. Calculated every conversation. Time.